We know that there are three Avot, Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. It's very easy to explain Abraham, because you can only speak about Abraham in superlatives, right? Theology, philosophy, uh, uh, getting to it, justice, truth, all of those words fit in with our conception of Avram Avinu. But that is not the case with Yitzchak. And even if you say that somehow the genetic makeup of Am Yisrael, of the Jewish people, is somehow goes back to Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, it's not easy to see or to understand what contribution Yitzchak made to that genetic, to that genetic makeup. And in fact, the problem is, I think, exacerbated in the Nusach of Shemona Esra. We say every day, three times a day, right? Some days more. Elokei Abraham, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov. We sort of divide up the, uh, our appreciation of the divine between Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. But then the summary, the bracha, Right, the bracha which summarizes the paragraph that speaks about the shalosh avot, we say Baruch Ata Hashem, Magen Avraham. It was in that paragraph itself we we say that Avraham is differentiated from Yitzchak and Yaakov. Now, whatever Magen Avraham means, I mean to protect or to give strength to uh, Avraham. Uh, and what it refers to and what we're supposed to think of, whatever that is, there's no doubt that Abraham is distinct from Yitzchak and Yaakov, and distinct in a manner that we can only speak of as being, you know, great. The greatness of Abraham makes it dist- him distinct from, uh, from Yitzchak and Yaakov. In fact, the first main... Uh, uh, the first main meeting that we have with Yitzchak, I mean, besides being born, is Akedat Yitzchak, the sacrifice of Yitzchak. So if you look at the sheet, the first, uh, the first psukim, Vayikach Avraham et This, these are the psukim that are part of the story of Akedat Yitzchak. Akedat Yitzchak, which in English is usually called the binding of Isaac. Which I guess this is the point. I mean, the point was not that Avram was binding him, the point was that Avram was going to slaughter him, which sounds a lot worse than binding. But uh, that's what, that's but what it, people it, say. Yeah, the literal translation of the word Akedah. Well, Akedah is the way you put a sacrifice on the sacrificial beer. Is that a word? Beer? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, no. Beer, no. Is beer is only for funerals. So it's what? Beer is only usually used. In well, that's what it would have been. It was going to be. A, it was going to be a funeral. So Abraham takes the wood that he needed to start a fire in order to sacrifice Allah. Allah is the sacrifice that's completely consumed by fire, so that Abraham was planning on sacrificing his son in this way. Vayasem al Yitzchak bino. 
He placed the wood on, on, I guess, the back, let's say, we'll say the back of Yitzchak, to carry, right? Who was carrying the Yatzei Olah before this moment? Well, the Chamorim. They came with uh, donkeys and, and two Ne'arim came along with Avram Avinu, right? Yishmael and Eliezer, Rashi says. Yishmael and Eliezer. So Vayasem, Vayasem al Yitzchak Benoah. I mean, this like really gives you a feeling for Yitzchak's participation in Ankedat Yitzchak. Right? Yitzchak is the bearer of the wood that would provide the fire that would enable Akedat Yitzchak. Not much of a job. Not a job to, to be proud of. And so Abraham took, it, took himself the fire, a fire, I guess, you know, you walk around with a fire, but they didn't have matches. So they had a different way. So they carried this fire along with them, whether it was a real fire or it was just coals, I don't know. I don't know how they did it exactly in those days, but I get the idea. Like the important things, the really distinctive things were carried by Abraham. Ma'achelet is a strange word, which everybody knows means a knife, but why this word ma'achelet is used in this context is not, um, is not particularly uh, clear, but we'll see what Rashi, what Rashi says. So Yitzchak is carrying the wood, Avram is carrying the fire and the sword, and then the Pasuk says, and they both were, which seems to be totally unnecessary, because of course they were going, the two of them were going together all this time, until they got to this point. So, you know, so what was, what's the, what's the additional idea? So Rashi says, Rashi, Amachelet, Sakin, it's a, it's a kind of a knife. Al Shem Shochelet et Abbasar. So Rashi explains why this strange word is also, also means a knife, right? Because somehow it has to do with the root, Aleph Kaf Lamed, which means to eat up something, to eat, consume. Ochelet et Abbasar, Kemad Teima, Becherev, Becharbit, Ochal Basar. Okay, so Rashi has even a, like a, 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 a reference where cherev, which is a big kind of a knife, a sword, is eats. So that the word to eat can also be used to describe a knife. V'shemechasheret basar lachila. And makes it possible the knife. Another reason that a, a knife is called a ma'achelet is because the knife makes it possible to eat the meat. Like, okay, uh, another interpretation, Zot Nekret Ma'achelet, Al Shem Shi Yisrael, Ochlin Matan Schara. This is called a Ma'achelet, again, somehow connected to the idea of eating, of consuming, Ma'achelet, Yisrael, Ochelet, Matan Schara. Benefit endlessly from the idea of Akedat Yitzchak, right? That happened, and we we are the beneficiaries of Akedat Yitzchak. That's what 
That's what Rashi says. Why does Rashi give two interpretations? So you could, you know, the first interpretation is you might call pshat, and the second interpretation gives its own meaningfulness. Why did he, I mean, okay, I understand that a machelet is a sakin, or a machelet is a, is a cheret, but why use a strange word when there's a simple word in Hebrew that you could use? I mean, what was the, I mean, so Rashi is, I think, I think Rashi is sensitive to that kind of question. Rashi is interested in justifying the nusach of the Torah. Trying to say there was a reason. It wasn't, you know, just odd. It wasn't just something that, that crept in there for no particular reason, but there is a reason, okay? That's what Rashi says about the ma'achelet. In other words, when, when uh, Avod, look at the Dabar Acher, remember the Dabar Acher, when Avram took the ma'achelet, he was saying, this is going to be really something. Uh, this is going to be something everybody's going to remember. No one will ever forget Akedat Yitzchak. And uh, Rashi, I think, was right. I mean, I think people are always interested in and thinking about and wondering about Akedat uh, Yitzchak. That's uh, before Rosh Hashanah, especially, but certainly in general. Then the Rashi talks about these last three words of the Pasuk, Vayelchush Lehem Yachtav. You ready? Avraham, Shaya Yodea, Shaholech Lishchotet Bano, Hayaholech Beratzon Besimcha. Rashi says, Avraham, who knew that he was going to slaughter his son as a sacrifice, went with Ratzon Vesimcha. The word Ratzon means uh, acceptance of an obligation. He, he was happy to do it. Then Simcha is a word that, is, that in the Torah is associated with doing mitzvot. You're supposed to do mitzvot b'simcha. And the definition of simcha, I think, I think Rav Nachman says it someplace, the definition of simcha is that things are as they should be. You feel that things are as you should be. People go to, to weddings. See, if you go to the wedding of people that you don't know, you could be happy at a wedding because somehow the idea of people getting married and creating families makes us feel good. Everybody feels good. Everybody feels so that doing mitzvot, doing mitzvot, one of the, the coloration of doing a mitzvah is simcha. And therefore, Rashi says that Avram Avinu was going, he was so consumed by the mitzvah that even though it, uh, it was something that other people would consider to be tragic, it was for Avram Avinu a moment of great joy because it was a mitzvah. Right, because it was a mitzvah. Then Rashi says, then Rashi says, Shelo aya Avraham shaya yodeh shorech shkot beno aya olech muratzo v'simcha ke yitzchak shelo haya magish badavah. And it was just like Yitzchak who didn't really know what was happening. Didn't really know. So in other words, what about Yitzchak? He was also happy. Yitzchak was happy. Why was Yitzchak happy? Why was Yitzchak? Well, because his father was happy. Everybody knows that joy is contagious. 
Right? Simcha. It's contagious. You walk through the room, people are laughing and cheery and happy. It's very easy to become laughing and cheery, even though you, you may not know exactly what everybody's laughing about. But laughter and joy and simcha are all contagious. They're all contagious things. So who was the one who was affected by this contagious joy? Yitzchak. Rashi points out again that Abraham knew why he was happy. And Yitzchak, see what are the words in the, in the, the, in the Rashi? He says, Yitzchak Right? Also Yitzchak. Also Yitzchak was happy. So we meet Yitzchak. We meet Yitzchak in this like the great event, the greatest event of all times. And here's Yitzchak. He doesn't know what's going on. He's carrying wood on his back. He's serving as the chamor, as the donkey in the story. They left the animals behind. They left Yishmael and Eliezer behind. And here's Yitzchak. Yitzchak is, you know, he's, he's the donkey. He's the donkey. Again, you see that Yitzchak is, he, he's even passive about Simcha. He doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. And he's filled with joy because his father has joy. He's going to do something with his father. He is totally uh, 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 consumed by the fact that his father has superior knowledge, is superior in his reactions, has superior contact with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's all of that is Yitzchak. The next pasuk, the next pasuk, Vayomer Yitzchak al Abraham pasuk Zion, Avi Vayomer Avi, Vayomer Hineni Bini. You know, like very friendly. You know, like Yitzchak has to make an appointment to see to talk to his father. Right? He didn't just start. It is not talking. He said, Avi, Avi is like, hey. I have something to say. Please pay attention to me for a minute. I know you're thinking your deep philosophical or ideological thoughts, but you have a minute? Son to a father. I'm here for you. I'll do it, right? A long introduction to a very short conversation. Eish, you've got the fire. You, Father, are carrying the Father. I am carrying the eight sim. I'm carrying the wood. Vayeha se'le olah. I mean, he's on his way, right? They, they left the Chamorim. They left Yishmael and Eliezer. They're on their way to Haramoriah. And, he had, and they're carrying, they're carrying a, a wood and a fire and a machelet. And, and uh, Yitzchak has not got a clue. He, he doesn't know at all, he doesn't know at all what it is that is happening, right? Doesn't know what, what is happening. Uh, by, he says, Sounds really uh, terrible. Then, I could, then Avram answers, Pasukhet, Avraham Elokim Look at the Rashi. Klomar It's not just to see. You won't only 
see the seh, but you'll be able to get a seh. You'll be able to choose a seh, according to Rashi. Vim ain't seh, la'ola b'ni. La'ola b'ni. Seh, la'ola b'ni. You know, Rashi, Rashi several times, especially in Breshit, Rashi is, is determined to prove to us that the Avot don't lie. They don't lie. And so when Yaakov says to Yitzchak, Anochi Esav Bechorecha, remember that I am Esav, your firstborn. I am Esav, your firstborn. So Rashi says, well, that, sound, that sounds like a lie, right? Because he was Yaakov. Now, he didn't have to say anything. He could have just said, you know, hi, hi, Dad, I'm here. But he said, Anochi Esav Bechorecha. So Rashi said what he meant was, Anochi, loud, Yaakov, very soft, and Esav Bechorecha. And Esav, he's the firstborn. Right? Now, why does Rashi do that? Why does Rashi do that? So I think Rashi does that because he wants to show you that on some level, you know, this idea that you could read a text in different ways simultaneously. So if I can read the text in a way that belies the idea that there's a lie being told, so that's also real. Because I know that, that Yaakov is not going to tell a lie. I didn't. It just doesn't make, even though the whole context was a lie, right? He got dressed up in Asaph's clothing and he put um, sheep uh, wool on his arms and, you know, so the whole thing, obviously, he's, that's also a lie. It's not only what you say is a lie. Nevertheless, nevertheless, there's some idea that the words of the Torah have to have integrity. The words of the Torah should not, even if Yaakov told a lie, you wouldn't expect the Torah to repeat the lie. Because that would be, again, a lie, right? So, so that's what Rashi says. Now, what does Rashi say here? Rashi says, Which, of course, is a very strange shot, right? It's as though Avram Avinu said, Elohim will show, you, show us the seh. And then, and, and then it says, so he's sort of answering the question. Yeah, uh, Yitzchak said, well, what are we doing here? And Abraham says, well, we're just going to go to sacrifice you. But of course, he didn't say it that way. He said it in a kind of coded way, in a way that most people would not understand. But he actually said it according to Rashi, Lola Bini. And then it says again, it says again, so you could understand this, according to Rashi, that Yitzchak was willing to continue this trek to Haram al-Riyah with his father, even after his father told him what was going to happen. Or, or you could say Yitzchak still didn't know. According to his more simple pshat, Yitzchak still didn't know what was going to happen, and therefore he went along with his father. He went along with his father, and he was... Uh, so that was fine. Yere Eloha said, right? Im ein lo labini. And then Rashi says, according to this this interpretation, Rabbi Pishevin Yitzchak Shulech Li Shachet 
And even though now Yitzchak finally, after all this time, understood, like Yitzchak never said, when Avram Avinu got up in the morning and saddled his donkeys and said, let's go, we're on our way to Aramoria. Of course, he never asked him why, Yitzchak. But finally, when things, when he did finally ask, he says, even though he understood finally that he was going to be the sacrifice and would be, would be slaughtered, and Rashi says, So we have to say, based on these psukim, something about Yitzchak, it would be that Yitzchak was the perfect foil for his father. It was his father. It was, it was Yitzchak had no personality, according to this, according to the story that we just learned. Yitzchak was not a part of the conversation. He was just going to be slaughtered. Now, it was, in fact, if Yitzchak understood that he was going to be slaughtered, it wasn't a remarkable thing that Yitzchak, that Yitzchak had, uh, was willing to do that. Nevertheless, the reason that Yitzchak was willing to do it was because he had absolute faith in his father. He knew that his father received this direction from heaven. And if his father received the direction from heaven, of course, his father was Sameach, as Rashi said, there was Simcha, that he was able to fulfill a divine command. <coughs> and so he, he, uh, he was with his father. His father was happy, he was happy. I mean, he was, but he was not, he did not generate a feeling, an idea, a thought, a part of the conversation, nothing. He's totally, totally uh, 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 subservient to his father's direction. Now you know that Avram Avinu himself had only, according to Rashi, had only one problem. He, Avram Avinu, had one problem. That one problem was that how could it be that God would tell him, sacrifice him, put him up on the on the on the mizbeach on the altar as a sacrifice, an olah sacrifice, meaning he's going to be consumed by fire entirely, and that when the angel came and told him, no, don't do it. Don't do it to him. So the problem, according to Rashi, that Avraham Vidu had was, how could he do both? That was his problem. His problem had nothing to do with sacrificing his son, even though <coughs> a lot of the modern-day commentaries, like, you know, like Sior and Kierkegaard, think that that's what was going on. But from Rashi, Rashi's understanding was that Aram had no difficulty at all fulfilling the divine command. And if you would ask Abraham, so what's going to be? There was a promise that God would, would make sure there'd be a lot of progeny and great, and great numbers of children and grandchildren, etc. So as far as Abraham Avinu is concerned, that's God's problem. God will solve that problem. But my problem, Abraham Avinu says, is, is fulfilling the command. And the command was to sacrifice my son. So how could it be that an angel would come down from heaven and say, don't sacrifice your son? That was Avram Avinu's, that was Avram Avinu's uh, problem. That, and that was the only problem. That was the only problem that Avram Avinu had. We have no, there's no mention of Yitzchak in that context. No mention of Yitzchak in that context. So that's Akedat Yitzchak. Akedat Yitzchak, it's possible to, 
to say great things about Yitzchak, but it's also possible, going to Rashi, to say that Yitzchak was really not a, a participant. He, he, he wasn't there. He just wasn't there. He didn't have, he didn't have a personality. He did not uh, a question or, or doubt or, or ask. I mean, he did. so if you look at the second, at the second uh, group of sukim on the sheet, uh, this is when Yitzchak grew up and he had, uh, by the way, you know Yitzchak and Rivka had difficulty having children, right? So the beginning of the parasha talks about how they were both davening, right? Yitzchak was davening and Rivka was davening for a child and they had these twins, twins, Yaakov and Esau, you remember them? So I want to tell you an interesting fact differentiating again between Avraham and Yitzchak. Avraham never davened for himself, ever. Even though Avraham didn't have children, and even though God had promised him that he would have, they would have a child, he never davened for, children, for his children. Never davened for himself. The only time that Avram Avinu is, it's mentioned, but Avram Avinu, that he davened, not, not as opposed to speaking to God. I'm not talking about speaking to God. I'm talking about davening. Davening means that there's something unknown. Like when you speak to God, there's going to be a conclusion. But something unknown about what's going to happen. As when Avram Avinu comes to Eretz Canaan, where does he go? He goes to Shechem. Yes, why did he go to Shechem? What does Rashi say? Because he went to Davin for the success of Shimon the Levi at the battle against Shechem and Chamor when they, when they raped Dina. So the Yaakov's sons went to, uh, went to, to do battle against Shechem and Chamor and Abraham Avinu was davening for them. But Abraham Avinu never davened for himself. He never davened for children. He never doubted says he had absolute faith. I mean, it was sort of like, uh, you know, davening is, can be seen sometimes as having a lack of faith in divine justice, for example. What do you mean if somebody is sick? Rahman al-Islam, somebody is sick. So you have two possibilities, you could say, Look, maybe he's supposed to be sick. Maybe that's what they determined in heaven. Or you could say, oh, I gotta do something. I gotta change. I gotta change the divine decree. I've gotta make it, make it work. So I, I, I don't know. We're not talking about the theology, but I can understand that people could see it in different ways. You could see it was Amr Avinu never davened for himself. He didn't daven for riches. He didn't daven. He didn't daven for children. And yet, you know, the Pesach says, Vashem Berachet Avraham Bako. Right? Everything. He had everything. He, Avraham Avinu. He had everything. Interestingly, you know, the Chazal, Chazal tried to figure out what everything might mean. Like, what is everything? So there were three opinions. One was that he had a daughter, and the other was he didn't have a daughter. One? That he had a daughter, and he didn't have a daughter, right? 
In other words, what, well, he had a son. Yes, he had a son. That we know. And, but it's not clear why having a son would be called Bakol. Why is that? But, but the idea of not having a daughter was because he wouldn't have to marry her off to a native, which is something that Avramovina was very unhappy about. That in general was, uh, was problematic for the, for the Avot. Because Avram Bakol means something. I mean, something special, something unique. So Avram Avinu got everything, but he didn't ask for it. He didn't ask for everything. So here we have a distinction, like the first story in Toldot is about Yitzchak and Rivka, each of them standing in a corner and davening. And the Parashanot is like, who daven better? Who's the better davener? Right, so you know, Rashi comes up close to the Medrash, this very remarkable idea that, uh, that Yitzchak was the better davener, better than Rivka, even though I, I would say that that generally would not be the case, that women daven better than men because they don't go to shul. <laughs> shul is like, uh, is like a terrible place to daven. <laughs> because because shul is like a, is like a clubhouse, you know. You go to shul, you see people you know, you see your friends, you know, catch up on what's going on. Uh, you know that's how shul is. But you daven at home, you have to just stop. You have, you know, you can't, you can't fake it. Just have to do it. That's what I think. <laughs> so, so Rashi says. Rashi goes to the bedroom and says, Yitzchak daven better than Rivka. Because a tzaddik ben tzaddik will daven better than a tzaddik ben Russia. So even though Rivka was a tzaddik, her father, or tzaddikis, her father was a Russia. So tzaddik ben tzaddik trumps tzaddik ben Russia. So that may also be why, why she had a little bit of pain during pregnancy, right? The, the embryos were running around in her, in her stomach, or wherever it is they run around. And uh, they were doing, they were doing whatever they were doing, right? So uh, what? Wouldn't you think the opposite? Because she has had to work herself out of the Rishonim, whereas Yitzchak was born into a, uh, a, a, a Tzaddik family. Ah, you mean if you were a Tana, you would have said the opposite? Ah, and then Rashi would have quoted you. Yes. Yeah, okay, that's good. So anyway, anyway that, that's the first story. That's the first story. The second story is the story that's here on the sheet. Vayhira Avbaaretz. Vayhira Avbaaretz. Exactly the same three words that introduce a similar story for Avram Avinu. Right? So I, I have to say that, that, that the Sposuk says, remember Avram Avinu. I mean, everybody remembers it, right? But here are And then if you didn't remember it, so the puzzle goes on and says, Milvada Abraham. In other words, the puzzle tells you, and now something is happening to Yitzchak, which is exactly the same as what happened to, to Abraham. So now what is that? Is that a big compliment to Yitzchak or not? So here it is the continuation. Vayelech Yitzchak Melech Melech Bishdim Gerara. Gerar is the name of the city of the Plishtim. 
the Pelishtim lived on the, on the, Mediter- on the Mediterranean coast, a place which we today call Aza. The Aza Strip, that was the Pelishtim. So we know that when Bnei Yisrael left Mitzrayim, the shortest way to get from Mitzrayim to Eretz Canaan was through Eretz Plishtim. But God said, no, no, they're not ready for a short trip. They need a longer trip. So Bnei Yisrael went east, you know, after crossing the Red Sea, they went east and then up and then west. You know, it's like that. Of course, in the middle, they drayed around for 38 years, well, that was because of, of the Chaita Meraklin. So again, again, here is Yitzchak. Vayhira Agba'aretz. Yitzchak gets up and he says, I know what to do. I know how to deal with this. I'm going to do exactly what my father did because I am Yitzchak. And that's who I am. I'm the one who does exactly what his father did. I'm the one who accepts the, the directives that his father accepted, right? That's me. So it says, it says, So he had some kind of relationship with the Melech of Plishtim. So he went to Gerar thinking, obviously, that he would continue south and go to Eretz Mitzrayim, just like his father did. Like his father did. So there's, how is it that Yitzchak solves the problems of the day, right? He does what his father did. In other words, that, that the comp of what you could say about Yitzchak is that he was totally accepting of Avram Avinu. But you could also say that he was not creative in any way. He was not creative in any way. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch says, Vayera, I love Hashem. Does that make sense to you? Remember Vayera, I love Hashem? Well, that's what the beginning of the parish of Vayera is. And Vayera, I love Hashem meant that the Malachim, these emissaries of heaven, came to visit Abraham and they told him, uh, they told him what's going on in the world. Right, you will have a you will have a son, Kaid Chaya. You will have a son. Uh, a stone will be overturned. Uh, Rifuah will come to Avraham Avinu after after the Brit Milah, after the circumcision. Right, so I mean, it is Avraham Avinu. He's in the middle of it, in the middle of the of the of all the great events that are taking place in the world. That's Vayera Elav Hashem. Vayera Elav Hashem introduces a special relationship between God and, and Abraham, especially reflected in the story of Sodom. Especially reflected where God says, Abraham, can I, is it reasonable that I shouldn't tell Abraham Avinu? Can you imagine God saying that? But Abraham Avinu, as the Rabbim also says, was in a partnership with God. The world, the world, the very existence of the world, as, as Chazal understood it, was dependent on Am Yisrael, meaning that it was dependent on Avram Avinu, because the creation of Am Yisrael was the creation of Avram Avinu. So God says, it's our world, Avram, our world, that this is what's going to happen. Justice demands that the people of Sodom and Amorah are going to be entirely wiped out. So Abraham Avinu says, Abraham Avinu says, you sure? 
what is there, 50 tzaddikim, 45 tzaddikim, right, 40 tzaddikim, right, I, this, this whole story, but when it came to justice, when it came to justice, Avram Avinu was on a par with heaven. you imagine that? Avram Avinu was on a par with heaven when it came to justice in the world. But when it came to Akedat Yitzchak, which I, I think I mentioned it previously, not a, not a word. Avram did not claim justice against the tzivui, against the command to sacrifice his son. Abraham Avinu didn't say, didn't say, how can I sacrifice my son? He's, just, he's, a, he's a young man. I mean, why should I do this? I mean, well, it's not fair. Didn't say that. As I said, Abraham did not daven for himself. He had perfect confidence in God's notion of justice. Why did he argue about Sodom? I said it last week. I'll say it again. He argued about Sodom because Abraham knew that he would have to explain God to the people around him. And the people would say, is this justice? And he would want to have an answer. So God told Abraham Avinu, if there's even one righteous person in stone, that person will not be destroyed. That person will not be destroyed. Every person will get justice as he deserves. So, Vayera Elav Hashem, Pasuk Bet, Vayera Elav Hashem. Vayomer, Altered Mitzrayma. Altered Mitzrayma. What does that mean? Do not go down to Mitzrayim. What does that mean? Don't do what Abraham did. You don't understand. What don't you understand? That you're not Abraham Avinu. You're not Abraham Avinu. Rashi says, Rashi says in the Medrash, the, the Pirkei Avot, that the first of the ten Nisyonot, you know there were ten Nisyonot that Avram Avinu had to, had to do, had to fulfill, had to achieve, right? There were ten Nisyonot, and these ten Nisyonot, the first of the ten Nisyonot was that he, was, he went down to Mitzrayim. What was the Nisayon? What was the Nisayon? Nisayon was, would he come back? Or would he come to the wrong conclusion and say that even though God told me I'm going to inherit the land of Canaan, then something happened. There was a famine. I had to leave. So maybe that is, uh, usurps the, the promise. So Abraham did in fact come back. Did in fact come back. But God said, uh, uh, that Nisayon is not for you, Yitzchak. You're not, you're not the person that everybody in the world looks to. You're not the person that everybody in the world tries to find uh, a theological meaning from. So God says, "Al First thing, Shchon That's your job, Yitzchak. That's what you can do. You can be the one who didn't leave Eretz Yisrael. You're the one who didn't leave Eretz Canaan. Because the one thing that Avram Avinu did not, is not able to prove is that you have to stay in Eretz Kenan. The one thing. Because Avram Avinu left. He came from Chutz Laretz and he left at a certain time. And so the Jewish people of the future could look back to Avram Avinu and say, yes, Eretz Kenan belongs to us, but that doesn't mean that I can't live in Tinek. Right, which is what the Jews say today. 
Right? That's what the Jews say. I don't know whether they're good guys or bad guys or should do it or shouldn't do it. I don't know any of that stuff. But that's I was I was saved from being a rabbi. Because rabbis are people with outstanding amounts of wisdom. So in any event, in any event, the uh, uh, you could come to that conclusion, right? So so Hakadosh Baruch says to Yitzchak, "This is you. This is you. You are the one who didn't leave. That besides the promise of getting." Eretz Kinan for you, your family, descendants, and all of that, you in turn have an obligation, you have an obligation not to leave. That's what, that's what God said, the only direct mitzvah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to Yitzchak was Shechol Ba'aretz. The only way that Yitzchak is differentiated from Avram Avinu is that Avram Avinu left for good reason, I don't, I, mean, I, I don't mean to imply that Abraham did anything wrong. I mean, he left for good reason. The reason was that, that, uh, that the people would, would be able to see who he was. That's what the Nisyonot are. These tests that God gave to Abraham Avinu are not just to test God's, Abraham's faith, because, because God knew that. But it was to give people the opportunity to understand more about the faith of Abraham Avinu. So Shechon Ba'aretz is a command that God gave to Yitzchak and only to Yitzchak. I mean, you remind, I don't remind you that Yaakov also left for a considerable period of, of time. Whereas Yitzchak got to Avimelech, Melech Grar, Melech Pelishtim in Grar, and there, whatever happened to him, happened to him. It was very similar to what happened to Avram Avinu in Mitzrayim, but he was not in Mitzrayim. He was in Eretz Kenan. And even though David HaMelech was not able to conquer the land of the Plishtim, it still belonged to us. I mean, somehow today, it's still kind of problematic that, you know, what they call Aza is problematic. He says, Shchon ba'aretz asher omar eilecha. Asher omar eilecha, which I told to Avram Avinu also. But you're the one who's going to establish this idea that the only place for a Jew to live is in Eretz Kedah. Taking the long view of the long view of history, right? You know, so far you could say that every place the Jews managed to establish a beachhead, they had to leave. They had to leave that place. Of course, where there were no Jews, they didn't have to leave. But wherever there were Jews, they had to leave. Some places, like in England, they had to leave twice. Right, which was uh, uh, pretty remarkable. But most places they had to leave only once. Sometimes in a more pleasant way, and sometimes, in, as you know, in a, in, a, in a much less pleasant pleasant way. But if I had to tell you what the, the, what the point of Yitzchak was, what was it that Yitzchak did you know, in, his, in his life, I would say it's this, it's this line. Then the third pasuk says, "Gur ba'aretz hazot." Gur ba'aretz hazot. Another way of saying shchon, right? It emphasizes, it emphasizes the uh, the the demand that Kodesh Baruch makes of of uh, of Yitzchok ve'yeh imach, and God promises. He will be with him, very much similar to what HaKadosh Baruch said to Avram Avinu, 
right? Bavarechecha ve'yebracha ki lecha u'lezarecha etein et kol ha'aratzot ha'el I will give you and your progeny all these lands v'akimoti et ha'shvua asher nishbati la'avraham avicha right? Again Avraham avicha there's a shvua, the shvua went to Avraham avinu but the shchon ba'aretz and the gur ba'aretz that goes to to Yitzchak. That's his special contribution. That's his special contribution to Am Yisrael, right? That makes him uh, uh, noteworthy. Makes him noteworthy. He listened to God and did not go. He did not follow his father in this particular case. But he stayed as God commanded him to stay. Okay? Rashi. Al-Tayreid Mitzrayma. He thought he would go down to Mitzrayim just like his father went down to Mitzrayim in the days of the famine. Do not go down to Mitzrayim. Remember, Yitzchak is an Olat Tmima. Was an Olat Tmima. The angel said, Al Taaslo. I mentioned it. Which is the word mum, uh, a blemish. Avraham Avinu thought that to resolve the conflict between the two, the two directives that he received from heaven, on the one hand, sacrifice your son, and the other hand, don't sacrifice your son. So Avraham Avinu thought, apparently according to the angel, thought if I, if I uh, make a blemish, like a permanent scar, uh, like in his eyelid or on his eye, that he can't be sacrificed because uh, that kind of blemish renders the animal unfit for sacrifice. So I would have been a thought, well, if I do that, then maybe I'll be excused. I mean, I'm following the directive of him, but I can't fulfill it because Yitzchak is now, now has a blemish. So the angel said, Al don't do that. Don't do that. You just, you know, you did what you were supposed to do. You brought your son to Aramoriah. Everything is fine. That's, you know, we see that you have Yirah. So then Yitzchak was called Olat Mima. Yitzchak was Olat Mima to emphasize the fact that it was the divine uh, uh, directive that kept Yitzchak from being sacrificed. Because God said, don't sacrifice him. So he was, even though he was an olat mima, he was fit for being sacrificed. And so Rashi says, "Ein That chutzal aretz. I mean, even for even for the great people, even for people who are uh, uh, very much uh, involved in uh, in accepting the directives of a kodesh bochu, even uh, you know the great people can't always put up with chutzal arets. It's different, you know, like uh, if, you grow, if you grow up in, in Yerushalayim and you think that everybody in the world is Shomer Shabbos, if you live in that kind of neighborhood, so then when you go to chutzal arets, you see that there are a lot of people. I, I, I remember the first time we went to chutzal arets with my children. So my son looked around and he said, What's going on here? They're all Mechalei Shabbos. 
So we got away with it because I said, no, no, they're all Goyim. So he was happy. But uh, they weren't. So if we'd stayed longer, he would have found out. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, it's either an educational good, educationally good or bad. Uh, I don't know. In any event, in any event, Eichus Laretz Kedai Lecha. Itbarchu Bezaracha. I don't know if we have time. So let's go, let's go to the next pasuk. Next pasuk. The last pasuk. So you have a little bit of an epitaph about Avram Avinu. In other words, God says to Yitzchak, stay in Eretz Canaan. This is going to be you, Yitzchak. You're going to be Shchom Ba'aretz. You're going to be Gur Ba'aretz. We're giving you an identity. We're giving you a name. You're going to have a role to play in the future of Am Yisrael. And then... And, and, and the brachot will come from you to all the people of the world, just like they would have come from Abraham Avinu. This is it. Yitzchak comes into his own. And then Akadosh Baruch says, it's all because of Abraham Avinu. It's all because of Avinu. Like, you know, if not for Abraham Avinu, you would just be a shepherd running around doing nothing. So he says, it's all from... And then Rashi, Rashi goes on to explain interesting things about this last posse. Look at the posse. Akev. Uh, as a result of the fact, Asher Shema Avraham Bekoli God says that Avraham listened to my directive, to my voice. Vayishmor Mishmarti, he he watched over my the way I said you have to watch. Mitzvotai, Chukotai, the Torahtai, the third, the three words that apply apply to the different parts of the Torah. Let's see how Rashi explains it. Rashi. What was the first Nisayon, the first test? Go down to Mitzrayim, Vahira Abba'aretz. So, so again, this is the story of Vahira Abba'aretz. And so God tells, tells Yitzchak, just because I don't want you to go to Chutzlaretz, doesn't mean that it was, a, that it was not a great event. It was a great event. It was a great success on the part of uh, of Avram Avinu. Vayishmor Mishmarti. Rashi says Gzeirot Laharchaka Al Hazarot Shebatorah. That that there are, we call them Gzeirot the Rabbanan. That the Rabbanan saw fit in history to make Gzeirot like Shniyot uh, Laharayot uh, expanding the number of forbidden uh, unions and Shvut uh, Shabbat. That's all the drabonans that are connected to that are connected to Shabbat. So that uh, uh, you know that the Maharal uh, the Maharal wonders about drabonans. It's something he does. He understands the idea that you want to protect the original prohibition so you build a fence around it and you say, not only is that Osir, but more is Osir. So, okay. So the Maharal said, but does that mean that there's an imperfection in the Torah? Like, so that the Torah didn't get it. So the Torah on Shabbos, there were 50 prohibitions, or 39 prohibitions. There should have been 400 prohibitions. Now why is it that all of that was left for the Rabbanah? 
I'm trying to repeat what the Maharal said in the Be'er Hagola. So the Maharal says, the Maharal says, generally speaking, he says also, he doesn't understand a lot of Drabonans don't seem to make any sense. For example, uh, before we eat, before we eat bread, we are required to wash. Right? What, why are we washing? Why are we washing? In order to remind ourselves of the dinim of Tumah v'tahara. That there's something, you could be Tameh, and you could make yourself Tahor. You could become Tahor. You become Tahor either by going to a mikveh or the Eifah Paraduma. These are methods of Tahara. Methods of Tahara. So the, the uh, Maharal says, I don't understand. In the Torah, everybody knows that Tuma Vitara is about a person. He says, what, what, what's it got to do with hands? How can you say your hands are Tameh and therefore you watch them, something happens? I mean, nothing happens because that's not how Tuma Vitara works. So, so then the, the Maral goes on to show you that if you read the Psukim very carefully, you could find a hint for the fact that a person could have be Tameh in part of his body and not all of his body. In other words, what the Maral is trying to show you is that when we say something is also Drabonon, what we mean is that the Rabbanon, by digging away at what's written in the Torah, were able to come up with uh, uh, new interpretations, which enabled them to enact these, uh, these uh, Rabbanons. And what Rashi is saying, what Rashi is saying that when Avram Avinu say intuited what the Torah wanted him to do, he also intuited all of these Gzeirot. That's what, that's what the, the Rashi says. He says, Vaishmon Vishmarti Gzeirot Laharchaka Al Azarot Shema Torah. That there were Gzeirot that kind of keep you away from the actual, the actual prohibition. Then he says, Mitzvotai Dvarim She'ilu Lo Nechtevu Ruim Heim Nitztavot that uh, mitzvotai are, are things that uh, they call them, you know, natural natural law. Like people would come to those conclusions of their own. That if, uh, everybody understands that you can't just allow everybody to kill everybody else. You wouldn't be able to create any kind of uh, uh, reasonable society. So that all people will come to the conclusion that you need some sort of a limit, some, some way of controlling, of controlling murder. So Rashi calls that that they had not been written in the Torah. The Torah had not said, say, lo tigzo, lo tigno, right? They hadn't said that as wrote, then they, they should have been commanded, right? Then chukotai, dvarim sheyetsaram umot haolam meshivim aliyem. Chukot refer to the things that that people in the world and uh, the nations uh, say that well they're just crazy. Kigod achilat chazir, like why not eat pig's meat? Ulevishat shat nezen, why not wear uh, a, a cloth that's made out of linen and and wool? Why is it that 
But this is a command that comes from the, from the king. Finally, with Aratai, Vavita Rashabal Pehalachala Moshe Messinai. So, in, in, in other words, the final, the final statement that God says to Yitzchak is sort of like saying, Yitzchak, you'll never be Avram Avinu. I mean, Avram Avinu was the perfect Jew, the perfect Jew who kept all of the mitzvot, the mitzvot b'na Torah, the mitzvot Rabbanan, the Gzeirot, the mitzvot Tiviyot. Avram Avinu was perfect. He was in tune with the divine, uh, divine will. And there was no way that Abravinu could, could escape that. You, Yitzchak, you still need a lot of direction. And we'll start from Shechon Ba'aretz Azot, Gur, or Gur Ba'aretz, Gur Ba'aretz Azot, Gur Ba'aretz Azot. Al Tereit Mitzrayma, Shechon Ba'aretz Azot, Mar and then Gur Ba'aretz Azot. That's the mitzvah that you, Yitzchak, can fulfill. And Yitzchak actually did not leave Eretz Yisrael during his lifetime. He remained in this category, this exalted category, but it's a de facto category of Olat Mima, the perfect, the perfect sacrifice, and was never able to emulate the position of, uh, of his father, Abraham. And in fact, another difference between Abraham and Yitzchak is that Abraham didn't get old. I mean, he had a child when he was very old. He uh, went to fight battles when he was very old. He didn't get old. Uh, Yitzchak got old and, and was not able to make a good judgment. Right? And the good judgment was made by his wife, Rivka, who understood that Yitzchak was had to be the uh, had to be given the man? I'm sorry. She understood that Yaakov had to be considered the primary offspring of Yitzchak, even though the birth of Yitzchak was accompanied by a twin. The birth of Yaakov was accompanied by a twin, whose name was was Esau. So Yitzchak started out with He continues unable to follow in his father's footsteps and go to Mitzrayim in order to save, uh, to save himself. He didn't see, he may have seen that as a directive, but God said to him, no, no, stay in Eretz Canaan. And then when he got old, his eyes went bad and he was not able to make good decisions about his, his own children. And those decisions were forced forced upon him, primarily by his wife, Rivka, who at the beginning of this parsha is about whom it is said that since she was a tzaddik bat rosha, she couldn't daven as well as, as Yitzchak. And that the whole story of Yitzchak is the turnabout, how, Ye, how Rivka became the prime mover for the Jewish people during the lifetime of her husband, Yitzchak. Okay, have a good Shabbos.